You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Philippians 3 in your Bibles, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We have been in this passage for several weeks, and I, again, I do think we'll finish up tonight. But I hope it's been a blessing to you. You know, we started uh, this series with verse number one, where Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord. And I appreciate the Dixon singing that song, Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. You know, you're not going to run the race very long, and I'm not going to run the race very long if you're a first-class grump about it. You're going to get bitter, you're going to get mad, you're going to get upset, and you're going to be out of the race. you got to have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength, the Bible says. So we talked about rejoicing. Then we said, as we run this race, we said that our confidence, the realization is that our confidence is not in the flesh. How come? Because the flesh will fail you. Uh, People will let you down. Pastors will let you down. Family members will let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. And that's what you got to realize. You you can't run the race in your own strength, and you can't run the race in someone else's strength. You got to run the race in Jesus' strength and power. And then we said uh, that there is a relationship. Verse number 10, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Uh, I'm thankful you're here today at church. Did you know people come to church for different reasons? I figured that out. Uh, I thought everybody came to church because they love the Lord, but I have found that some people come to church just because they're, they're going through the motions. It's just the religious thing to do. And by the way, if you're here today and that's why you're here, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I hope your motivation will change. I hope your, your, your reasoning will shift, but I'm glad you're here. Some people go to church just because it's routine. That's what we're supposed to do. It's what we've always done. And that's not a terrible reason. I'm glad you're here again, but the greatest reason to go to church, the greatest reason to serve God, the greatest reason to read your Bible and pray and do what's right is because you love the Lord. And that will be a motivation that'll keep you going uh, when church isn't exciting. (laughs) You say, well, that's today, Pastor. Well, I'm sorry. If you thought it's been bad so far, you're in for a real shock because it's going to go downhill now that the preaching's going. But can I tell you, we're not doing this thing um, just because we have to. I hope we're doing it because we love the Lord and there's a relationship there. And then last Sunday night, we began to talk about the race. Paul was writing about the Christian life, but he compared it to an Olympic event or an athletic event. During Paul's day, they had begun the Olympics uh, there in Greece. And Paul said, you know, a lot of these people, they're running for an earthly crown. Paul said, I'm not running for an earthly crown. I'm running for a heavenly crown. I'm not running for the applause of man. Paul said, I'm running for the applause and the approval of Jesus Christ. We'll start in verse number 14 today. And would you read with me uh, aloud as we read through Philippians 3, uh, verse number 14, down through verse number 19. Ready, begin. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, 
whereto we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. Would you speak to us in the moments that we're together this morning? I pray that we would not miss the truth of your word. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that our ears would be attentive. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would show us some areas in our life that need to be fixed, some areas that need to be changed. And I pray that we would continue to run the race with patience that is set before us. And may we finish our course with joy. And may we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'd like for you to notice, beginning in verse number 14, I want to talk to us this morning about the reward. What is the reward? Paul calls it in verse 14. He says, it's the prize. Did you know the word prize is found only twice in the Bible? Of course, one time right here, Philippians 3. And then the word win, W-I-N. How many of you like to win? What about this? Well, how many of you like to win board games when you're playing with your family? There we go, right? You say, well, what's the prize? It's bragging rights, you know? And if you don't win, you're going to hear about it for a long time. But the word win is found only twice in the whole Bible, and one time is found here in Philippians 3. Would you notice with me back in verse number 8, the end of the verse, Paul said that I may win Christ. Paul was talking about the race, and he said there is a prize. There is something that you can win. There is something that you can gain by running the race for Christ. Now, before I go too much further, I must say this. Salvation is not the prize. Salvation is not the reason we're running because we're not running to get saved. We're running because we already are saved. Salvation is not the prize that we earn, but salvation is a gift that we receive. I don't want you to leave this place this morning, or if you're watching online or listening on the radio, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. I'm not asking you to run and serve and do what God wants you to do so that you can earn a spot in heaven. That will never happen. You'll never earn your way to heaven. Salvation is a gift. It's already been paid for. It was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus on the cross. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do to get to heaven. It is all of grace and it is none of works. So when we talk about the prize, I'm not talking about earning salvation. I'm talking about a race that we run. And I'm talking about a course that we take because we're saved, not in order to get saved. We see in Genesis 15, hold your place if you would in Philippians 3. And would you turn with me to Genesis 15? I've read this passage so many times and I've never seen it like this as I was preparing for this message. Genesis 15, 
verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Could you tell me those next two words? Fear not. Aren't you glad that God gives us reminders that we don't have to be afraid? You say, why did God have to remind us not to be afraid? Because that is our nature. Our tendency is to be fearful. And we live today, and by the way, this is not new to 2021, but we live in a day where you turn on the news and all you're going to hear is the negative. And all you're going to hear is all the reason why you should be afraid. By the way, that, that's nothing new. That's not just because of COVID. I think you understand that. I remember as a boy, I remember the news. I remember my mom and dad commenting on it. And we lived in a, a city of 150,000 people. And I remember on the news, they would say, yep, somebody got shot here. Somebody got stabbed. Somebody got robbed. And out of 150,000 people, yeah, somebody did get shot. But the news never reports on the 149,999 that did. You know, it's always going to be, oh no, the world's coming to an end. Can I tell you something? You don't have to be afraid. And I don't have to be afraid because God has given us the assurance that he's got everything under control. I'm glad for that. Fear not, Abram. I like that. God not only tells us not to be afraid, but I'm glad that God knows our name. Isn't that amazing? I was thinking this morning in the early service, I was getting ready for this. I was looking over the, the crowd and in the early service, I think I knew everybody's name there. And in this service, I don't know everybody's name. I probably know 98% of names. And the ones I don't know, I'd have to think about for a minute and maybe I'd come up with. But if you look in this, in this crowd here today, there's people, you don't know their name. And here we are, just we have a couple hundred people here. But can I tell you, God knows every name. God knows every burden. He knows every need. He knows everything that you're going through. And God not only knows about it, but he cares about you and he can do something about it. God said to Abraham, he said, fear not, Abram. I am thy, what's that next word? Shield. Aren't you glad that when you go through the battles of life, you've got a shield? And this shield is able to defend you against the darts of Satan and against uh, the, the, the swords and the, the weapons that Satan would throw at you. God said, I am your shield. And then notice the end of verse number one, Genesis 15. God said to Abraham, I am thy exceeding great, what's that next word? Reward. God didn't say, Abraham, when you get to Canaan land, when you get to the promised land, when you get to the place I've given you, then there you go. That's your reward. God didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to give you a lot of cattle. I'm going to give you a lot of gold. I'm going to give you a lot of wealth. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you children and grandchildren. And, and that's your reward. God said, oh, no. God said, Abraham, I am your reward. Now go back with me to Philippians 3, and I want you to see this, and maybe you've seen this before, but this blessed my heart. Verse number 8, Philippians 3. Paul said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You know what Paul said? 
Paul said, I'm not running this race for a crown. I'm not running this race for a trophy. I'm not running this race for a certificate. I'm not running this race to, to please this person or that person. Paul said, I'm running this race because my reward is Jesus. My reward is hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice verse 14. Paul said, I press toward the mark. A mark is a, a distant object upon which the eye is fixed. If you are uh, at a shooting range or if you're, you've got a bow and arrow or you've got some kind of target practice, that mark is the target, right? That mark is the bullseye. You're aiming for that. And so you got to look at it if you want to hit it. Well, Paul said, my mark, my prize, my, my goal, my motivation is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, my mark, my prize is to hear him say, well done. I mentioned this and I try to, I always preach the same message, but I try to use the same illustrations. But in the early service, I, I told the folks this story. When I was a boy, I had the opportunity several times to hear a great, great preacher. Now he's with the Lord. But how many of you ever heard Dr. Lee Robertson? How many of you ever heard him preach? Oh, there's a lot of hands here. Good. This is great. So you know who I'm talking about. Put your hands down. Dr. Lee Robertson uh, pastored the Highland Park Baptist uh, Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That was where uh, Tennessee Temple University, a lot of preachers and missionaries and, and Christians came out of there just serving God and faithful people. But Dr. Robertson, I heard him preach uh, several times when I was a boy, but I remember one particular message he preached, and I was, I was probably elementary, maybe junior high, and at the time he would have been in his mid to upper 80s in preaching. But I remember him preaching and he said, I want to talk to you. And he had a, a unique way of talking, you know. He would talk something like this. I'm, I want to tell you tonight. I want to tell you about these three reasons. These three reasons. Keep you serving God. Keep you going. He talked like that. But he said, I want to tell you about the driving force in my life. He said, I want to tell you what gets me up in the morning. I want to tell you what motivates me. I want to tell you why I serve God. I want to tell you why, why I do what I do. Here's the driving force. And, and he talked like that. It was incredible. It was powerful. But he talked about the driving force in his life. I searched this last week and the week before. I couldn't find I know I've got it somewhere in one of my Bibles. I've got the notes. I don't remember what the points were, but I remember the, 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 the text. I remember the, the subject. And here's what he said. He said, I know that someday I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he said, that motivates me. Can I tell you, it ought to motivate us. Our, our motivation for running, our, our reason for running the race ought to be because we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before that judgment seat, we will be rewarded according to those things that we have done. And can I tell you, our motives are going to be judged. You, say, you see, you may fool a lot of people. I may fool a lot of people and they may think we're one way and then we may be a different way, God forbid. But you're not going to fool God. And I'm not going to fool God and I'm not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. I will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. I'll tell you something else that motivates me. We call it the rapture of the church. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus could come back today. Friend, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm not just telling things to make you feel good. I'm not telling you things to scare you. I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming back and that ought to motivate you. 
to think that that trumpet could sound today. Before we leave this place this morning, Jesus could come and we would be gone, those that are saved. And those that have never been saved would be left here on this earth and they would go through a seven-year tribulation period. You say, oh, pastor, seven years tribulation, that's terrible. That's nothing compared to eternity in a lake of fire. That ought to motivate us to realize that people need Jesus and people need Christ. And I thank the Lord for a church that is soul conscious. You're thinking about it. We went out yesterday. I think we had probably about 25 or 30 folks out in the neighborhoods passing out flyers and talking to people about the Lord and inviting people to come and ride the buses. How come? Because Jesus Christ is real and heaven is real and hell is real and Jesus is coming. It could be today. That ought to motivate us. I'll tell you what ought to motivate us, the cross. When you think about the cross of Calvary and you think about that Jesus was willing to be beaten with a whip, that Jesus had the, the, the hair of his face plucked out, that they took their fists and they, they beat him. They took a crown of thorns, literally a crown of spikes, and they drove it into his skull. And as if that were not enough, they then took him up to a, a hillside and they drove nails into his hands and into his feet and they put him on a cross. And Jesus suffered, not just physically, but Jesus suffered spiritually as God the Father turned his back on his only son and Jesus cried out and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That ought to motivate you. That ought to stir you. That ought to keep you running the race when you don't feel like it. That ought to keep you running the race when you're a little discouraged to think that Jesus Christ, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Jesus went to the cross because of you and because of me. That ought to motivate us every day of our lives. I want to ask you this morning, what motivates you? For some, it's the almighty dollar. But you know what the problem is with the almighty dollar? It comes and goes very quickly. What about the fame and the, the recognition of men? Can I tell you something about fame and recognition? It comes and goes so quickly. I think about Hollywood uh, stars or, or, or professional athletes and one day they love you and the next day they hate you. One day you are all they can talk about and the next day they have forgotten you ever existed. Can I tell you that's not a good motivation to live life. The motivation is to live our lives and run the race for Jesus Christ. He is the prize. He is our reward. He is the reason that we run. Our prize is not a possession. Our prize is a person. Our prize is not an achievement, but a prize. Our prize is an approval by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What motivates you? I want you to see not only the reward, but lastly, I want you to see the reasoning our, our, our thinking, notice verse 15. Paul says, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Say, well, I know it's not talking to me because I'm not perfect. Yeah, me neither. This is not talking about being perfect and you never make a mistake. 
Because how many of you know, ain't none of us perfect? We're all a bunch of sinners, are we not? The difference is some have been saved by the grace of God and others have not yet accepted that grace. But here's what he says. He says, those that are perfect, those that are mature, those that are, are, are complete in Christ, he said, I want you to be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Now, we're talking about running a race and uh, a prize and, and, and forgetting what's behind and reaching forth. And Paul says, now there's some rules. There's some boundaries. There are some guidelines. I have not yet, and I know they just started. I haven't yet watched any Olympics. I may try to watch some. That's always amazing. But you know what's uh, very sobering is that the fastest runner does not always win the race. Did you know, and uh, if, if we were going to have a race here this morning, Brother Greg and I, you don't have to stand up, brother, because we're really not going to run. Um, but if, yeah, amen. I'm saying amen too, brother. Although I, I, I don't mean to brag. I really don't mean to brag, but I think I could beat any of you in a race. If there was a box of Krispy Kreme donuts over there, I think I could beat you then, right? Or if we were racing to the refrigerator, how many of you are pretty fast at that race? Amen. And I practice that a lot too. But if Brother Greg and I were going to run a race and we were lined up here and uh, we had Brother Graham, he was going to say, on your mark, get set, go. And I didn't even wait till on your mark. I just took off. And as I took off, I pushed Brother Greg down and I'm running and I get to the end and I say, I won, look. He said, well, no, pastor, you didn't win. You cheated. <laughs> I'm like, no, look, I'm at the finish line. No, it doesn't count. Did you know that in a, a race in the Olympic Games or in a, uh, an athletic competition, you can disqualify yourself. There are things that you may do that it doesn't matter how fast you run because you've not followed the rules. Paul is saying, you've got to have the right mindset. You've got to follow these rules. You've got to follow these boundaries. Now, we're not talking about rules to get to heaven. We've already talked about that. We've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. But if we're going to please God, the Bible says we must strive or we must run lawfully according to the rules, according to the guidelines. When I was playing soccer, I was, I think I was about eighth grade at the time, and I was in a soccer game. I'll never forget this particular incident because it was very traumatic for me. Um, but uh, we, there was a penalty, and the penalty, I forget now what the penalty was, but it was right near our opponent's goal. And I was there, and that particular penalty, normally if it's inside the penalty box, it's a, a penalty kick, right? It's a direct kick. For whatever reason, this particular call, it was not for a direct kick. It was for an indirect kick. Now, in soccer, if you have a direct kick, that means you can kick the ball straight to the goal, doesn't have to touch anybody else, and it's a goal. But if it's an indirect kick, that's why sometimes in soccer, you'll see somebody come through and they'll tap it, and then the next guy comes through and pounds it as hard as they can because it has to be touched first by someone else. Then you can actually score it. Well, the penalty was really close to the goal. and It was all real quick. And with an indirect kick, you're not usually supposed to have to wait for a referee signal. And so uh, there was a penalty. We got the ball. We set it down. My buddy tapped it. I kicked it into the goal. And you know what we're doing. I mean, we're celebrating, right? I mean, we are having the time of our lives high-fiving. Yeah, we scored. This is great. And all of a sudden, we hear this whistle blowing like crazy. We look back, and the referee is blowing his whistle saying, no goal, no goal. 
What do you mean no goal? It just went in the net. I know it did because I saw it and I kicked it, you know. And the referee said, oh, no, you were supposed to wait for my whistle. And I didn't give you the whistle, so you don't get the goal. And I don't think that that was the right call, even according to the rules or whatever. But you know what? It didn't matter because the referee said it didn't count. Well, I got news for you. There's a God in heaven who never makes a mistake. And there's a God in heaven who he has given us the rules. He has given us the boundaries. He's given us the race to run. But not only that, he's given us the strength to run it with. And at the end of the race, he says, I'll give you a prize. He said, if you will run this race, he said, there's a reward. He said, but you must run the race with the right mind, with the right thinking. You see in verse number 17, the Bible says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Paul said this, there are some people that are running the race that are going the right way. Follow those people. But he said there's others that you need to watch out because they're not going the right direction. They are the enemies of the cross. Did you know anybody that keeps you from serving God and loving God? That's an enemy of the cross. And that may be a friend, it may be a family member, maybe a coworker. Can I tell you, you can't follow somebody who's going to keep you from giving everything to Jesus Christ. When I was in college, and I told Brother Gabe I might get to this story, so he had, he had fair warning. Brother Gabe Finera was in junior high. And uh, myself and uh, Joanna's brother, uh, we were coaching a junior high basketball team. And Gabe was in seventh grade at the time. And uh, we didn't have a gym at the time. The gym was not done. And so we had basketball practice at the park. Well, Gabe had some friends. I don't say friends. There were just some other guys on the team. But Gabe had some friends that when it was time to run laps, these friends were pretty, they were pretty sneaky. There was a, a little bit of a hill. And so we'd say, all right, run to the fence and back. And about halfway down, there was this hill. It was a pretty good hill. So these friends of Gabe's, I'm not saying Gabe ever did this, of course, you know, just, but some of his friends did. But they would run, they'd get over that hill, and then they would just drop. I mean, like just flat down, they were on the ground. And so from where the coaches were, we couldn't see it. And so they're just down there, they're just chilling. I mean, they're just relaxing, catching their breath. The guys are running to the fence. And then when the guys were on their way back, boy, they're hopping up and they're, you know, right with them. And uh, I don't know how many times they did that before we, we caught on. But can I tell you, that's not the way you're supposed to run, right? You're not looking for a way out. You're looking for a way in. And I hope in the Christian life, I hope we're not looking for a way out of the race. But I hope we're looking for a way that we can run for Christ and how we can help more people, and how we can reach more people, and how we can serve God to the best of our ability. Can I tell you, it's worth it to run the race. There's a reward, but there must be a reasoning. There must be a right mindset. I think we all understand that there is a battle for the mind. Satan is doing everything he can to distract you, to get your mind off of the things of God. For Satan, he doesn't care if it's money, 
He doesn't care if it's a hobby. He doesn't care if it's a relationship. He doesn't care if it's fear. Satan doesn't care what it is. If he can get your mind off of serving God, then Satan has been successful. So you say, well, pastor, how do we fight the battle for our mind? Well, you have to be careful what you allow into your mind. What you listen to, what you watch, what you read, that's up to you. You have to choose the things that you put in. Because if you put garbage in, guess what's coming out? Garbage. Philippians 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what's going to help you to run the race? Keep your mind right. Keep your mind set on the things of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.